I always say, you know, a noisy service, mm-hmm. when there's children giggling, mm-hmm. that means there's life in the church, right? Welcome to She Leads, a podcast about leadership, faith, and relationships. I'm your host, Thea, and I'm so glad that you tuned in today. Um, And thank you for being a part of the conversation. I continue to welcome your comments, your feedbacks, and your questions. Thank you for sending those over. You can always send those directly to me at sheleadscomments at gmail.com. Today, I want to read one from Carla, who says, Hi, it's your friend Carla, who loves and prays for you often. Lily sent me your new podcast, and I'm so happy to hear your voice and perspective on female leadership. Thank you, Carla, for tuning in. And again, I welcome uh, more of you to send your comments and your feedback to sheleadscomments at gmail.com. Today, I'm really excited to welcome um, guest, uh, Reverend Susie Puak. This is the first time I've heard your new last name. Puak. Puak. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming, uh, Susie. Why don't you introduce yourself, and how are we connected? Why'd you say yes to the podcast? Uh, well, um, Susie Puak, um, I serve as um, pastor to children and families at Christ Church Sugarland, and I met Thea in, during seminary um, at Perkins, and I said yes because I love the whole concept, and um, you're my friend, and oh. so I wouldn't say no. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad to share this with you and glad that you could make it. So thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to jump right into it. I know you said you currently serve in family ministry at uh, Christchurch Sugarland. Tell me, um, how were you called into family ministry? How were you called to serve families? This actually takes back 20 years early in my career when I was still an undergrad. Um, I wanted to work with children and, um, divine intervention, I ended up working at um, the a school working with the families, serving as a liaison between the families and the school. And I learned that if I wanted to affect change in a child's life, if I got to the parent, mm-hmm. there would be a significant impact. And so for the next several years, that's what I had been working is um, family empowerment. Mm. Um, that was outside of church and of course over all the years very involved in church and as I developed curriculum for families we'd go on to the schools there was just such a huge connection between what the children and families were learning academically and how the spiritual aspect could be tied into it and so then in 2016 um, right before I had been leading a Spanish-speaking congregation and um pastor asked if I wanted to be a pastor, to which I laughed at that point because I was just laity. And, um, and then it took a second for that to simmer. Mm-hmm. And once I prayed and through discernment, um, decided to go to Perkins, and um, that was all a gift as well as God laid the, the steps. And so at that point, I was at a high working at the, at Children's, um, Muse- Children's Museum of Houston mm-hmm. in their family involvement program. And um, I, I made the decision. I walked into a meeting, and um, I had given my two-week resignation, had no plan. All I knew is that I was going to go into seminary, and in order to complete seminary, I needed a job that wasn't going to pull so much from me. I needed some balance. And... Um, 
I was really excited, and I just kind of really, it's one of those, you just throw your hands up, and you say, God, you do it. God, you take care of it. And um, he did, because when I walked out of that meeting, one of, um, at that time, we were collaborating with UT Health, um, Children's um, Learning Institute, and the manager of that program kind of shifted me to the side and said, Susie, I haven't um, let anyone know, but I'm stepping away from this position, and um, I think you'd be great at it. It would be part-time, and I want to recommend you. And so that just kind of snowballed into, oh, God provided exactly what I needed mm-hmm. during that time so that I could immerse in um, seminary and still work. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for about a year, and then um, May 2018, I got a call from Reverend Leo Tyler, who's my good, good friend. And um, he said, Susie, I have a position, children's ministry at Bear Creek. Um, Would you consider it? And at that point, I was still in, you know, God, just whatever it is, you're going to line up for me. Just let me know. And I uh, I said, okay, I'm not going to say no. Let me just investigate. I was happy where I was. Everything was working, and it just felt It felt like my two worlds had finally collided, where my training and my spiritual formation and the direction I was going towards all came together. And so I just found myself um, working at Bear Creek and Katie and just engulfed Mm. in um, ministry with children and families. So that's kind of the trajectory. And then um, this May, um, actually end of April, my position at Bear Creek ended. And uh, literally three days later, I'm having um, different pastors reach out to me because they had heard um, saying, hey, let's have a conversation. So I, again, I was left kind of in, in, in a space of like, okay, God, what do you have for me? Yeah. And sure enough, he did. And um, so now I've only I've only been at Christ Church for it seems like a little bit over a month or so, and um, it's been a great great experience. Where I didn't I, I sometimes you get comfortable. I, I worked at Bear Creek um, well. I love creating systems and organize, organizing. And so I'd gotten to a point where things were well. It was it felt to me anyhow as a well oiled engine that was mm-hmm. just kind of move, moving. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities to grow in ministry. It's not that you grow stagnant, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize there was so much more in me when Christ Church opened up. And I know one of the things that I had been struggling with was, I don't want to be put into a box. I don't mm-hmm. want to just be seen as a, a pastor to children and families. I have more. And as it, through prayer and meditation, I realized, well, if that's what God is calling me to mm-hmm. do, I better do a really good job at it mm-hmm. and just be committed and not worry about the box. God can put me in any box he wants me to. And when I took on that attitude, I realized, oh, my gosh, there's still so much more to dig into, and which is what I'm discovering yeah. in this new role. I love that you, you know, felt called to more but then you know didn't want to didn't want to get stuck kind of like you said in this box in in family and children ministry and yet realized that even there that God could could pull you deeper I just am reading a book right now about spiritual leadership and the chapter I just finished was all about um, limits and accepting the limits that we're in and kind of this idea of 
not just plowing, but, but um, planting and blooming in the field that you're in. And to not, sometimes um, we get so driven and so optimistic and eager that we start planning for fields way beyond, mm-hmm. but that, that God has placed us in this field for now, and our job is to till it and to toil it and to take care of it and to see what God produces and trust that God's at work in this field right now. And if we're constantly planning ahead, we might be missing what's happening right here. What are some ways that you have, I mean, you shared, I think, wonderfully about how you saw God move in your, in your ministry journey and, and even this call. Where are you seeing God at work in family ministry specific? Well, there's the language of um, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, and the changes that have taken place. I'm excited because now that we are surfacing post-pandemic, Families are eager for that connection. They may not know where or what they want to be committed to, but it's there. And I think one of the most exciting things for me right now is the multi-generational learning. And I'm seeing a lot of the grandparents step up because they're seeing that, unfortunately, they had their children who were raised in the church, and now they're not participating for whatever reason. And um, we just had vacation Bible school. So many of the grandmothers literally had like four or five grandbabies with them throughout the week because they wanted to make sure that their chil- their grandchildren had that experience. Yeah. And, and we've seen it in the sense of in Sunday school, who are the Sunday school teachers a lot of the times are going to be the older generation, the grandmothers, retired people. And so it's always been there. But I feel like at this point, it's the realization that the same commitment those grandparents had when their children were young, Mm. they're taking on that mantle again for their grandbabies. And so I think that it's, it's empowering the, the, I always call them spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a parent, an uncle, a neighbor, or a grandparent, yeah. it's key. Yeah. And I, it's interesting how I feel like maybe uh, in the last 20 years or so that churches had become very segregated by age, very like um, intentional about you know you got your singles group you got your young families you got your retirees you got your kids and everyone was kind of off in their own little pods and I would agree this is um, a time where we really need to embrace our multi-generational communities uh, families neighborhoods because in real I mean other than school you don't really ever just hang out with people who are in the same stage of life as you and how much you can learn from people who are have gone ahead of you or are doing something you know that you've already done and be like oh yeah I remember mm-hmm. those kinds of things and look at the, this different way that they're seeing that so I love that you're seeing God at work kind of orchestrating and and uh, reclaiming this multi-generational space in our faith communities um, what is something exciting that you're seeing for families today um, you know, you mentioned post-pandemic. I and I would agree that I am also seeing a hunger, and a desire, and a readiness for um, for reconnection and and um, even revitalization in a lot of areas. What are what are you seeing 
that excites you about families today? I think it's just the continuation of that empowerment because there's so many things pulling and tugging um, for children's attention. And um, as families are seeking to continue to guide their children, there is, for me, it's that revitalization of like, we have a group of people that we can minister to. We just need to be um, aware of what their needs are. And so the same momentum I had when when I was working in the secular world of just this being creative. We don't have to be what we were, um, but an, just an, a, a meshing of how the spiritual world functions and our daily our daily world. So that's what excites me in terms of like just thinking out of the box. Mm-hmm. How do we gravitate and um, call attention? Because if I'm going to be competing with the most up-to-date video game or this TikTok, um, then church has to be exciting. And that's something that I have had to grapple with because I don't necessarily want to fall into I want to be the next big program that people are flocking to but in ministry there has to be an element of it's got to be exciting because if it if it continues to be as it was where you know you go to Sunday school class and you have this very at times somber um then activities or classes then that's not captivating Mm. attention and so you have to have that balance of, of that but and I think that there's so much room too look for opportunities to engage families while providing the spiritual formation, even if it's just the language or the fellowship. Yeah. I love that you talked about, you know, looking for something exciting. I was actually listening to a podcast this morning, the Unstuck Unstuck Church podcast, which is phenomenal. And it was talking about the five mistakes we make on our Sunday morning experience. And that was one of them that every Sunday is the same. You know, um, she described, you know, you got some 15 minutes of songs, a whole bunch of announcements, and then a message, and you go home. And there's just really no excitement or energy or new things that are happening. And I remember from my time in family ministry, yes, you needed structure and consistency. Children and families like to know what to expect. And then every now and then you got to wow them. You got to surprise them. You got to give them something they didn't expect. Um, I even think about today, we finished up Vacation Bible School. And for the first four days, we came in, we heard a story, we talked about it. Then we went to the tables and did a craft. And today they came in and went straight to the tables. And we talked about what it means to have a dinner party and how Jesus loved dinner parties. And then we listened to a story. And then we talked about it at our table. So we did some of the same things, but we we mix it up a little bit. And I mean, the kids loved it. We, the adults loved it. Mm-hmm. It was something different. And so this taking this opportunity to do something new and exciting and, and to plan ahead um, for that creativity. Um, I really, really love that. What are some new ideas or new opportunities you're thinking of and dreaming of as you're, I'm sure, gearing up for the fall, you're in a new space, a new community. What are some of those new opportunities you're looking forward to taking? advantage of? I think for me, the the important key is bringing families to the church. And so conversation we had with our staff um, this past week was, why are we doing events? Why are we hosting certain things where you have thousands of people come? 
And I just reiterated what I have been called to, and that's to serve families in the church, to organize that. And so I think one of the most important things for me at this point is um, identifying what is the mission. Mm-hmm. If my mission is to go and reach the community, then let's do that. But if our mission is to empower families and do it through the church, whether it's the church building itself or just the general spiritual formation, I think that that's key. And then that helps lead what's the next best thing, right? So then you start to evaluate where we're putting our energy. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that really excites me was when I was at Bear Creek, Um, and we would do community events, two things that were important for me. One was the volunteers, not pulling and stretching them because we need them. We need the family, whatever age range they are, from youth to our seniors, the parents, all involved. And we started working towards these um, united services, which um, tend to be a little difficult not everybody's happy about them but um what, with what do you mean, sorry what do you mean by united service united services where a campus would have multiple worship services mm-hmm. and a united one would be bringing mm-hmm. all congregations together and so what we had started to do was um on let's say the trunk or treat event or the Easter event, which is usually a community tie-in, and you do it on a Saturday or sometimes a Friday evening. What we started to do was doing it, doing it on Sunday. So that, again, we're working towards the goal of bringing people to the church, maybe people that wouldn't necessarily come an, at another point. And um, as we're there, we're, we're doing those activities that, excite people that bring them that call attention to them but we're also nurturing them spiritually mm-hmm. and so that is what excites me in terms of like what I'd like to continue to to work on and what I found was that families didn't feel pulled because a lot of times that would the celebration would be like the Saturday before everybody's exci- exhausted then they come to service but if they're already in service allocating that time and designating that space to serve the community and the church. And it really just worked out so well. And so those are one of, some of the things that I want to continue to lean on um, because not only is it an opportunity to bring everybody together, but also serve the community and bring them in. And so, for example, this summer at Christ Church, not really really working with limited um, volunteers. I always go back to volunteers because they're like the the support that we need to do anything. And um, realizing, okay, I don't really know anyone just yet. I'm building relationships. I'm really honing in into the fall. And so what can I do? I can't wait to the fall to create excitement and momentum. What can I do now? And so what I did was I had the children in the month of July bring their wheels to church. And we're learning the word of God through um, they're riding their bikes. Some of them are learning how to ride the bike or um, learning how to skateboard. And so we're speaking to children in a language that entices them. And then through it, okay, let's um, learn the word of God. And so in July, we were learning about Paul's travels. Mm. And so we set up, we combed off the parking lot area. And then we set it up where they were traveling to Ephesus, where Mm -hmm. they were going to Damascus as we were going through the different stories. 
And um, now in August, what we're looking to do is flash days. Mm. So during that Sunday school hour, again, speaking to them in their language, but then also providing the biblical lesson Mm -hmm. that we want to provide for them. And so what I have found is that we could do all that with the resources that I have, whether they're financial or people, uh, so that I could give me time not only to build the momentum and get families excited, but also get the church excited about, yeah. hey, look what's going on in children's ministry. Let's get involved. Yeah, um, And that. so that has all been in preparation for the fall. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're going to, they haven't at Christ Church um, recently had Wednesday night programming. Mm-hmm. And so getting that momentum going for, yeah. for the fall and what's that going to look like. I've always been an advocate of let's do one thing and do it well instead of trying to go off in different directions and um, wear out your resources. Yeah, for sure. A couple of times I've heard you say, you know, you're excited about empowering families and then even this mention of I want to feed their souls and nourish their souls too. And just so my question is as a family pastor, as as one who is called to to serve families and, and, and work with families, um, what are you hoping to see families gain from your leadership, from their involvement, um, from uh, the, the soulful nourishment? What are, what are your hopes for families? My biggest hope is that parents can take on that spiritual leadership. Mm. I think for a long time, um, the church has taken on that mantle and to say, bring them to Sunday school, we'll teach them. You go to your classrooms, you go and learn, and and there's a space for that. But the most important um, learning that the children will get is from their parents. And so in that, um, practicing the corporate worship, everyone, families worshiping together. Um, So we know this in just um, family education is that the parents are going to be the most influential um the most influence that children will have it doesn't matter what's the new fad or what they're into and so i could be a really good um sunday school teacher or children's pastor but my impact will never measure up to that impact that a parent has and so if i can Um, tap parents into that knowledge to the realization that they are the ones that um, should be leading and will be leading their children um, in that spiritual formation. That is my goal. So sometimes it just happens to be through a conversation. And um, when families sometimes would feel frustrated because their children don't want to sit Um, in service and it becomes difficult and just really honoring and celebrating I always say you know a noisy service Mm -hmm. when there's children giggling Mm -hmm. that means there's life in the church right and so not only um, encouraging parents but also those who don't have children to enlighten them of just what the potential is and sometimes it's really just helping people turn in a different direction or open up to a, a new way of seeing things. Yeah. And, and that's where the relation between what I was doing previously, working outside of the church and what I'm doing now, it's the same. Mm. And it's not, let me show you how to do this. It's really just setting up the elements mm. 
and um, for the parents to come in and guide the children and you just step back yeah. and watch the magic happen. Yeah. And I've seen it over and over. And so just replicating that with families and then it, it catches on where this becomes something of a, a church culture yeah. of some sort. Yeah. As you said, setting up the elements and then stepping back, it's actually what the most, the best early childhood educators would suggest for children mm-hmm. is that we don't do it for them. Right. We don't even really do it with them. We set up the space, we give them the supplies and the materials and we let them figure it out. Um, not just, you know, physically, how might I make this into something, but like, how do I get the crayon that I want that my friend has right now and all of that really. And then our job is to really just encourage and support, maybe redirect, you know, guide and and help them, but really let them figure it out. That's kind of what I'm hearing you saying too is, you know, parents, you can do this. It might be hard. It might be scary. You might learn something new, but you can do this. Um, I think that's really great. What is it as a leader that you are hoping to gain or what do you you know, what's a win for you um, as you're working with families? And let's say you do that, you set it up and parents start to take that ownership. Um, how is that a, a positive for you? A positive? I think that's a difficult question because we are trained to, we're not doing it for me, I'm doing it for them, and I'm doing it for God's calling. Um, but if I have to step back, it's just to know that, you know, that moment I felt that calling to meaningful ministry to say okay god am am i hearing you correctly am i following your lead um i think that that for me is is the indicator of yes i'm honoring what i've been called to to respond to i love that i love that what is one step a leader who might also be working with families today take, whether that's in ministry or out in the world, in the private sector, what's uh, one step a leader might take if they're working with families? So I think most important is just understanding whether it's your demographic, your community culture, and uh, learning from the family instead of coming in and trying to make changes. But a lot of that comes through the observation and honoring the knowledge that families have and sometimes even the precedent that has been set, whether it needs to change or not, right? That, I think that that's true in any leadership role, yeah. not just with families, but I think because I, in working with families, I always tell them, you're the expert. No one knows your child like you do. I might have some really concrete, good information, but it may not work because I don't know your child like yeah. you do. And so taking that in the sense of like, again, that empowerment of you have something. You might not realize it. You might not have uncovered it. And you're coming to this situation, even to this um, scripture verse with your point of view but trusting that the Holy Spirit, and we're all kind of working together. So through um, preparing um, the elements or the programs that are there, and then allowing the parents to take that ownership, and then also in prayer. Uh, We did um, Vacation Bible School, as I mentioned, just a couple of weeks ago, and um, the prayer, one of the prayer leaders came to me, and she says, you know, I really want to do a prayer walkthrough 
campus. And I love that. Yeah. I said, yes, let's do it. And I, um, I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit was walking through those halls because just what I had to encounter being in a new role was, it, it, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. But I could just see how the Holy Spirit was operating. And so we can't forget that beginning or that cornerstone of there's so much that we can do but then there's the work of the holy spirit and isn't that not true as families as parents right okay we have our limitations we have our own baggage that we bring into with our family and um but then there's that holy spirit that can work through any situation and helps us through right yeah i love it um, if people want to connect with you, they want to come check out Family Ministry at Christ Church or just um, learn more about you, how can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Yes, um, email Susie at ChristChurchSL.org. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Susie Puak. That's P-U-A-C. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us today. I hope that you will uh, be a part of the conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, feedbacks, comments regarding uh, families, leading families, family ministry, and um, the leaders who who help lead those programs. You can send those to sheleadscomments at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time. She Leads is produced by me, Thea Curry-Fusen, recorded and edited by Caroline Podcast Studios. All thoughts and expressions shared by the guests are theirs and not the organizations they're affiliated with. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week to continue the conversation on She Leads.